Poet Revolt Cosmetics helps you shine in all your moments with a variety of clean, cruelty-free, and non-sticky lip glazes. This makeup artist's created and approved brand carefully curates clean ingredients including peppermint to help you feel good and do good as a portion of proceeds goes to selected mentorship programs that give youth and young adults the confidence and tools to be successful. Holt Revolt offers long-lasting shine and moisture, and this is the part I'm excited about, Taylor. Tell me about it. <laughs> Holt Revolt is also offering our listeners a 10% discount off your next purchase using code CIRCLE when you check out. Get glazed today at HoltRevolt.com. That's H-A-U-T-E-R-E-V-O-L-T.com. Awesome. Go check it out, y'all. Check it out. So in this podcast, we had our friend, I will say my friend, our friend, Jaleesa Keen. Um, it was awesome because she's an author. She's a Zumba instructor. And then she's also in higher ed. And um, she's a podcaster. So... It's kind of cool catching up with her. Yeah, and my personal connection to Jaleesa is we do spin together. Um, for anyone <laughs> who's interested, indoor cycling is the bee's knees. So um, it, it was really nice to talk about representation with her mm-hmm. and also progression and what that looks like and different ways that we can show up in spaces to represent um you know, the diaspora, not even just as a African diaspora, but people of color mm-hmm. and of um, different intersections of identity, whether it's LBGTQ, IA plus community, or if it is, um, you know, Black Christian women, all the different ways that you can show up into spaces to showcase your experience. Yep. So we hope you guys enjoy this episode and let us know what you think. Hey y'all, it's Amber Sheree. And I'm Taylor Bree. And this is the Inner Circle Podcast. Welcome back <laughs> to another fabulous week. I'm just feeling this weather. It's finally feeling like it it's real. Summer is here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, how was your week? <laughs> um, week was good. Yeah. Uh, it actually was a little bit lighter at work, which allowed me to be able to breathe a little bit um but it was cool this weekend we got a chance to uh, kind of just relax um I did a wine tasting which was fun I haven't done one in a very very long time um in a while that's in person so it was kind of cool just to meet people in person and really get back to like networking with people yeah of course like being 
with people who you're not always with, like your immediate mm-hmm. family, the COVID bubble and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So now that you're fully vaccinated mm-hmm. um, and being out and about is kind of getting back into normal. So that's nice. Yeah. That's so nice. did you have Dungeons and Dragons this weekend? I did have Dungeons and Dragons this weekend. For anyone who's out there who knows Dungeons and Dragons, um, I am <laughs> bard. Um, oh, what does that mean? It's a class like Uh, there's different classes so there's like different creatures I guess you could say you are and different like races and and um like there's a whole bunch of different classifications so mm -hmm. a bard is like um um I guess you it's a mythical creature that can do spells it's kind of something in between like a a witch is kind of sort of okay. something that you could think of, but it's not anything evil or anything. It's just, yeah, I'm a I'm a really good level of bard. So well, I thought when you said so, bard spelled how? Because I thought you meant like bard, like you were no longer allowed. Oh no 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 no! Bard is B A R D. That's okay. like the class that I am. So there's that. Um, I know this this is like pre-recorded, so we're far past this by the time y'all hear it. But <laughs> finally did my taxes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was nervous because I knew I was gonna owe federal tax income taxes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh god, let me just rip the band-aid off. <laughs> and it it worked out. And I said, God is good all the time, because <laughs> I saw this TikTok that was like, I just did my taxes. I don't know what I'm going to do, y'all. <laughs> and I thought that was going to be me. But thank God that is not the case. So um, here I am. Um, okay. I've got into my tarot card reading. So oh, yeah. that is so going tell me up. about that. It's you... going really well. I really enjoy the practice of it. Do you have to train for that? Or how does that work? I, I mean, you do need to know the interpretation of the card. There's mm-hmm. four suits and then there's 21 cards within each suit, I hmm. believe. And each number means something different. Okay. And that's just like the minor arcana, I believe is what it's called. And then there's a major arcana, which are like you I don't know if you've ever done a card Mm. reading but have you ever heard of like the death card and stuff like that Um, no I try to stay away from that stuff I mean I'm I'm trying to be more open now that um just in general Mm -hmm. but like tarot card reading psych being people being the psychic and stuff kind of like makes me I don't know I think it's just the way that we were raised up it's like the devil and all that other stuff even though that's not true yeah but it's just like that's the way that I don't know the perception of it so yeah now that you're into it I don't know if I want you to be reading my life because if you threw a death card out I think I would be depressed and that's the thing about (laughs) it is like what the interpretations of them Mm -hmm. are like highly misconstrued um and then there's also the idea of the death card is usually just the ending of something and I think Mm. as an American society that our relationship with death is just highly um tarnished and it's full of sorrow and it doesn't always have to be that way but that's a conversation for a different let's do it let's do it um an episode on that because Um, i'm very i mean obviously if you feel comfortable of tarot cards yeah because i've never 
I'm my mind is not really hasn't been open to that well I am a baby reader so Uh, it's gonna be (laughs) it's gonna be a little while because I still got my book to guide me along when I pull a card Um, and it's all about intention and it's really leading me on having a practice of something because I am terrible with like routines and sticking to them which I still don't and I don't I don't like structure but I know Mm. that structure is something that helps you you know progress in life so there's that um so that's kind of like how my week went yeah now that you don't live with me anymore it's Mm -hmm. like I'm talking to a friend catching up Amber is always over here trying to act like I I just have disowned her as my sister she has I haven't I I call her she sends me the voicemail I did not send you the voicemail I try to pull up on her she's somewhere that you know she's not at home yeah I mean I just have a life but (laughs) I I mean in the sense of like I have a life that I'm not always available like just there I I think the death card should be for our situation because the death to our uh continuous conversation or connection I need to put a I guess I need to understand that that's coming to an end I think that we do have a continuous and as much (laughs) as you think that I don't talk to you you're like still one of the people in my life that I talk to most besides Megan but that's because me and her work together Mm. and we can go out together you can't go out with me I would but you always have things to do <laughs> you are not accessible either you know, like you're not the only person that's told me that so I will take it it's not that I don't want to go out with you it's that usually if I'm like girl I want to get a drink you would be like oh I got this meeting I gotta put junior down I gotta <laughs> finish work so it's not like you're right you're right you you're know right. I can't just yeah. pull up on you well, you always you'll know that I'll be at the house. Yeah, you'll be at the house. Yeah, that's yeah I might be busy doing yeah. something. Yeah, and though. I guess I could drink more of your wine, so that'd be nice. <laughs> Surely, <laughs> see, that's the only reason why you come over here on Sundays now. And when's the last time I had some of your wine besides the bottle I took today? <laughs> what is that? Anyways, so what's the word of the day? We're getting off track. Here we are. So the word <laughs> of the day slash week is inclusion okay inclusion is the action or state of including or being included within a group or structure and I personally really hate when they use the word that they're defining in the definition definition. Mm. so I'm going to go to the adjective of or not the adjective to the verb of include okay and it is to comprise or contain as a part of a whole. Oh my gosh. Hmm. Words are hard right now. So I think that, (laughs) so inclusion, um, to bring that back around, um, as people of color, um, there's lots of initiatives for inclusion and diversity within academia, Mm -hmm. within work, within these um, big corporations and things of the sort. And I really, I have a lot of mixed feelings, but also um, am very 
hopeful in the progression that inclusion has because representation matters as we've talked about multiple times throughout this podcast and um yeah i think as we continue to include more and more diverse people Mm -hmm. um so that black people aren't a monolith Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's this i hate that phrase though because there was a we're not going to get into politics. There was a person that said that. And anytime that like is being said, I literally only think of that person. I think of that person and I don't really care too much for him. And that's fair. But you're right. Yeah. The concept is correct. The concept is there. And then there's also the idea of um, like, excuse my French, but there's this concept of trauma porn, right? So trauma porn, that's what they call it when they say like, you know, black people always come from trauma and they want to showcase like, you know, um, drugs and Mm. um, drug dealing and shooting Mm -hmm. and all Mm -hmm. that type of stuff in movies. And it's like, that's the struggle that Black people come Mm -hmm. from. And it's like, no, the struggle could just be imposter syndrome because Mm -hmm. nobody Mm -hmm. looks like you where Mm -hmm. you come from. The struggle can look so many different ways, right? And so um, it's just a concept um, that I hear a lot. And um, black wellness spaces to hmm. be specific um, I listen to a lot of podcasts about you know blackness <laughs> <laughs> and um, that it's a concept that I never really thought about and why I always felt like I wasn't black enough right mm-hmm. um, because there's always that idea to be black is to be from the traumatic of the traumatic mm-hmm. um, so um, inclusion it's important because there are lots of different types of experiences (laughs) and it's all valid and it it doesn't um downplay or upplay your identity sure well that's a good segue (laughs) (laughs) identity Um, so this week, guys, we actually brought on one of my, well, I guess I can say our friend because Taylor will be offended if I say my friend. Uh, <laughs> we work out together, so we're friends now. <laughs> yeah, and I think Taylor really, really, I mean, you've only, you've only talked about the awesomeness of this individual yes. that we're about to bring on and how you like really admire her. Yeah, I have. So we will bring on... <laughs> Uh, our friend, uh, Jaleesa King, she is a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, she is involved in higher education. Um, she has multiple degrees. She is uh, answered cer- certifications if you, when we talk about the wellness space. Um, also, like, she's just awesome. And to go further on that writer, she is an author and a fellow podcaster, as Amber just said. Yes, yes. yes. And so we are excited to have her on today to just show another side of this space, or another side, another monolith, not a monolith, another individual in a different space. So, yes. So, so. welcome to Lisa King. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor's about to put some like background noise on. <laughs> so, welcome. Hi, friends. You guys had so much to say. I want to jump in and talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm <laughs> Well, there will be plenty of time for um, 
conversation. I do yeah. want to give, how do you introduce yourself? Let, let's hear your elevator pitch. Because <laughs> I want to give this space oh, for you yourself in a way that we didn't leave anything out and you can present yourself the way that you would like to be referred to Ooh, as well. It's so funny because I actually like don't talk about myself a lot and so I don't think I have a personal elevator pitch and so <laughs> it's still weird for me to hear people say some of that stuff so like people referring to me as an author still like throws me off a little bit because I'm like am I though <laughs> I you author to you as an author unless that makes you uncomfortable <laughs> it doesn't like I just I've never I don't know I just get like weird I don't know so I really don't have an elevator pitch but everything that you guys say that I do I do so that's that's um so I should probably work on that I think it's um that's a confidence thing right like being able to own what you do and like say it and so I feel like for me I'm like I don't want to be like braggy or anything but I mean I do all that so I should be okay saying it <laughs> the for me is like I know Amber has just grown a little bit more in fellowship with you um in terms yeah. of spending time with you and stuff um however I feel like every time I hang out or talk to you I always find something new about you that mm-hmm. you um say. she's an so onion she, she you're an onion in the best way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the humbleness is Mm -hmm. like the top layer. I think that you are very humble and that like is the biggest um, compliment and attribute to have. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that's why maybe it's weird for you to be like, yeah, I did that. I I will get there. I'll get better. My friend and I, when the book got published, I was on the news Mm-hmm. talking about it and we went out just I hadn't seen her like in a year probably yeah. um so we went out for like dinner and stuff and then because yeah we're out celebrating so I got this and I'm like you don't have to do that mm-hmm. and the bartender's like celebrating what but she wrote a book <laughs> but the bartender was a teacher so she like bought it in that moment oh, so, that's awesome. <laughs> it's just so funny I'm like I wouldn't have even said anything <laughs> So let me tell everybody because anyone might be a secret teacher. Honestly. <laughs> I love that. Tell us about the book. So mm-hmm. the title, yeah. where you were at when you wrote it, what inspired you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the book is called When I Grow Up, I Can Be Anything. Um, I wrote it five years ago, actually. Mm-hmm. So I wrote it a long time ago. And people always laugh at me at this part, but I had no intentions of writing it when I wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always liked to write. I was really good at English growing up. So I just always found that to be an outlet. Um, and I was actually in my old apartment, just sitting there waiting for laundry to dry. And people think that's like such an exaggeration, but I was like waiting for my sheets to try to go to bed <laughs> and just pulled out one of my notebooks and just started writing stuff down. And it just like started to kind of flow. And so I still have the notebook with the sketches of like a little girl in it, like a cat, like all this stuff. And I said, oh, cool. That it's cute. Um, <laughs> so I remember like I called my mom a couple of days and said, I think I just wrote a children's book in a notebook, maybe. Like, Let me read it to you. And so I rushed because that is so cute. She looked at it, it's just so cute and like rhyme and the time is really good on it. And I said, okay, maybe I should do something with that. And so um I started looking for illustrators then. So we're talking like 20. 
being a math person is not one of the things that I would ever put an <laughs> elevator pitch. <laughs> Whatever five years ago was, so I start looking at um, <laughs> illustrators having coffee dates, and I mean everybody was like two fifty in illustration or like two hundred fifty dollars illustration, like three hundred, and I'm like, oh, oh, okay, yes. <laughs> definitely <laughs> talking like thousands of dollars for a book, and I said, no, can't, no, ma'am. So <laughs> I just kind of sat on it for a really long time. Um, like at one point, like maybe two years after that, I tried to get like Adobe Illustrator to figure out how to illustrate mm-hmm. myself. And I said, that's also not like God's will for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I can't draw. <laughs> so I just stopped. Like I just gave up. But in the back of my head, I couldn't just stop thinking about it. So I'm like, I have something that I think like the world, see, that's even so hard for me to say, but like, I feel like I have this book that like needs to kind of be out there just to yeah. like show representation for little girls right and what they can do so I just couldn't stop thinking about getting this book published or out there mm-hmm. um so I finally like got another girl that I found her name's Lydia um and she was within my price range like worked with me to get it done we did it like by so many pages at a time so it took mm-hmm. a year for me to pay it all off probably to do it but that's how I got it done so that's awesome um I feel like you had a question about what inspired me to do that so I loved to read when I was little. My mom took me to the library all the time when I was a little girl. Yeah. Um, and I'd pick out my books and, you know, I'd take them home and read or like read in little kids' corner at the yeah. library. We would do it, I think, every week or every two weeks. We would just go and, like, swap out the books. I loved to read. Um, and my love for reading just grew as I got older. Yeah. And I don't think I realized as a kid the lack of representation in kids' books. Uh, um, yeah. It was like, actually, when I was working at higher ed, well, I'm still in higher ed, but when I was my other job, we do this thing called Tunnel of Oppression. And they had uh, these slides rolling, and it was an infographic talking about children's books mm-hmm. and the percentages. And it was like, in children's books, white characters have the highest percentage. Yeah. Then it's animals and other creatures, and yeah. then it's black characters. Yeah. And I was like, is it really? And I was so shocked by that. And I'm like, what were my favorite books growing up? And I was like, oh, I guess it was like, you know, Junie B. Jones and I liked Amelia yeah. Delia and like those books, and they were all white. Uh, Captain Underpants, <laughs> like they were white characters, or like the Bernstein Bears, they were animals. Um, so that's when I'm like, oh, it's like, I'm like, I have to get this book done now because like now it makes even more sense. Like mm-hmm. I knew that needed to be out there from a standpoint of just not seeing representation of women of color in higher positions, mm-hmm. but the importance of it in a children's book hit me differently when I saw that infographic, if yeah. that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I yeah. think that's kind of what I was speaking to in the intro, which I know that you wanted to comment on of that inclusion, right? Of every child having someone to be their actual role model for um, what they can be when they grow up. It's, it's, yeah, your parents are going to tell you, you can be anything. You're so smart. You're, you're beautiful. You're kind. (laughs) Right. They're supposed to tell you those things, right? exactly yeah. they're supposed to who knows like you know the practice but yeah um, that you're hit it right on the head like there is not that much representation of black kids in books and um yeah. that bewilder that you had going through the library I took junior to Barnes and Nobles and he was just like books books, books <laughs> the whole time so he 
kid who loves but well okay amber has a kid who loves kids too and i love that i love a bookstore (laughs) it was this awesome book that i bought for him do you remember the the title of it it was just basically a black history book and a children's Mm -hmm. book yeah it's like um a whole bunch of historical black figures um who mm-hmm. paved the way for children now so i yeah I, I would like to think that in the last five years there's been a shift and more yeah. people acknowledging how important it is to yeah. have the representation and yeah. put out those children's books because it starts with kids if you ask me it does and I think we're seeing it like from our generation that we're realizing that we didn't learn so much growing up so now we're like we didn't even know that I always think about the hidden figures movie yeah. like I loved it. I think I saw it in theaters like twice and mm-hmm. I said, we never learned about these three women growing mm-hmm. up in school, you know, and but we learned about everybody else in our history books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we're the ones that are really trying to make change, you know, whether it's our kids or the next generation of kids coming up, because we just realized the gaps that we're missing in our upbringing too. Yeah, so true. So what would you say is the most insightful? So just you being in higher education and then now yeah. like the research to to understand like how important this book that you wrote is important to the community what would you say was your experience when you got to from when you were growing up to when you got to college on just like black history in general yeah it's interesting and so in the intro Taylor was talking about you know that feeling of not feeling like she's black enough I totally went through that identity Mm -hmm. crisis Mm-hmm. um not I'm not saying you're going through identity crisis but I went through yeah, that sort of yeah. a similar yeah, thing yeah. um and I still have days when I feel like that I'm like oh maybe I'm not black enough for that group I'm like they're probably enough black for that group or because you know, <laughs> it I mean yeah I can talk about we can talk about that later but yeah like we go through that <laughs> so um you know from that transition I was thinking about just what I saw in my day-to-day life I only had one black teacher mm-hmm. from k through 12 and it was for like metal class or something. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we had to do like one of those, you know, woods and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So mm-hmm. and it was in middle school, but I didn't have any other black teachers that I could recall. I had black principals, but no black teachers. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have my first black like teacher that was a female until college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had one of them twice for undergrad and graduate classes and then one for undergrad. And so just kind of seeing just that representation for me, I said, oh, wow, like, interesting. Or just, I started to come into my Blackness mm-hmm. more, but I didn't fully, I think, um, embrace it until after college. So probably mm-hmm. like in 2017. So I mean, mm-hmm. I graduated in 2013. So I mean, years after. Mm-hmm. But when I just think back to different things about just Black history, I wasn't seeking that out in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really care. And I it's so hard for me to say those teams because I feel so like, oh, but I didn't care to be like, you know, in the Black Student Union or whatever, mm-hmm. because that's not where I felt embraced in when I was growing up in high school or in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, I always felt out of place in the predominantly Black spaces. I got made fun of growing up for how I talked or how I dressed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I think back to that, the comments were coming from everybody. It was like, it was you know, 
just the black kids. It was all yeah. white kids. It's like your white friends that are like, oh, yeah. like I'm blacker than you because I listen to this. It's like yeah. you just like you couldn't find your space anywhere. So I yeah. did it. So for me as a higher ed professional, the thing that led me to that role as an admissions counselor that it was specifically for multiculturalism and outreach yeah. for African American students. And so that was important for me because I went to that university. So I had my experiences on the campus. So I knew what it was like to be a black female in that space. Yeah. Um, and it was important for me because I do think sometimes, and this could be a bit of a generalization, but we, I do think sometimes try to put all black people into a box. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would be in meetings and people would say stuff. I said, but not every black student wants to be in the black things. Yeah. <laughs> like they yeah. need to know that it's a resource and that they have that community here. But I said, I was a student that didn't want to be a part of that in my freshman year, you know, mm-hmm. me now would love to be a part of something like that. But me at 18 was not. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, trying to, and they were trying to embrace me, and I was like, "No, thank you." <laughs> I got <laughs> my friend somewhere else, you know. And yeah. they look back, and I'm like, "Oh, maybe I should have done more of that stuff," <laughs> you know. Um, so in higher, oh, yep. go ahead. That's all right. Go ahead. And higher. No. Oh, I I'm was talking. Just- I talk a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm thinking about my experience and how oh, we have a lot of alignments there. Which also, real quick, where did you um, grow up? I grew up um, in Maryville, Indiana. So okay. I graduated from Maryville High School. Yeah. So it's just two hours north. Yeah. Um, in Maryville, I will say when I went there, it was very diverse. And so I know it's shifted a little bit. So it's more students of color that yeah. go there. I would say it was still pretty predominantly white when I was there. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like everyone got along for the most part, even though there was like these tiny microaggressions, we didn't know what that meant back then. Right? Yeah. So everyone got along. But even that two hour difference, it's just crazy how different things are from back home to when I moved to Indy. So yeah, it was, it was, I'm glad that I experienced something outside of that area. Yeah. I was just thinking about how I definitely, before I got to college and high school, I did not think that I wanted to live on the black floor, which I did. Um, I didn't think I was going to be a part of the BSU, which I was, I didn't think I was going to um lead the so we had a student I, if you guys listen to the episode with my friend Maggie Naguna um we were actually in the same that student retention and recruitment center was all about holistic education and inclusion and so as being a part of ACE which was the community is African diaspora cultivating education so as that leader going into the spaces with you know, more Black students who are in high school who, you know, are obviously a part of the Black Student Union because that's who we cater to, um, still that alignment that I had with them. And I could see my childhood being healed through working with, um, you know, students who may have excluded me had I been the same age as them, you know? So that was just something I think is a... uh, I, I could only think about while you were talking because um, I definitely share those sentiments. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember um, my first month out, actually like my second or third week in the job in admissions, they sent me to Atlanta 
mm-hmm. um, for a college fair, and it was at Clark University, because mm-hmm. um, we have this partnership with the engineering programs between Clark, uh, Spelman, and um, God, what's the third one? Uh, Morehouse, um, with our engineering school, and so I went, and I was like, I've never been around this many Black people in a higher ed space ever, <laughs> and it was it was like an emotional moment for me. I don't know what it was. I was like, this is just the, cause I was what, 20, here goes my math again, 20, uh, <laughs> 28, I think at that time. And I'm like, this is just a really cool thing to see. Cause all of these students were there scoping out graduate programs for yeah. um, whatever, you know, the programs were. And so that was something really special for me to see that. And that just was like kind of a switch that got flipped in me too in that space being down there. So that was cool. Yeah, yeah. I think seeing from from my experience, I think seeing like people in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I, I think going to Chicago and really being around like women or just people that were mentors in general that really kind of took me under their wing. Mm-hmm. I say this all the time in other episodes, but I had never seen black people in those spaces or like that. When you just like because I feel like in in Indiana and maybe it might be in other different parts of the Midwest you just feel like you're always one of the only ones yeah, versus yeah. when you go to a bigger city mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's metropolitan you're not one of the only ones you're actually and and also there's not really a sense of needing to compete either it's more of like a welcome welcome yeah. home, you know mm-hmm. so that's a good point actually that about the competition yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Something else we also talked yeah. on that tokenism. I wish I would have mm. aimed it when it was what it was, but yeah. being told that I'm a unicorn by one of my advisors. And I'm like, really? I I don't think that. Like, I get what you're saying. You're trying to compliment me. But sure. what you're actually doing is portraying tokenism at this point mm. because yeah. you're saying that I'm not like the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, I don't think that's true um and that's very problematic (laughs) yeah does that kind of lead into your comment earlier about your um hesitancy when it comes to inclusion diversity spaces to like not be tokenizing people yes Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. that is a big part of it because you know it's it's a double-edged sword Mm -hmm. um you are helping and you are being um an advocate for those who can and at the same time, further creating a gap between those who you think can and those who you do not actually, you know, give the time mm-hmm. to. Um, and a lot of the spaces that I have worked in, the kids aren't necessarily like, you know, interested in grad school or they're not doing too hot in high school, but even just being a sounding board for them. Mm-hmm just bounce off of uh, gives back to them in a way that we're not just trying to create little scientists we're not trying to create little um you know whatever profession you want to put them into little accountants and everything else um you want people to have especially kids of color to have a more um a holistic view of their life it's not always just grooming them to be whatever it is you want them to be they need to have some self self identification before we try to groom them into something I understand yeah and when you're saying that what I thought about um 
So I've struggled with that in my role that I had. So I'm like, I do feel like I'm kind of putting kids in the bucket. And so um, I was invited to an elementary school two weeks ago to read the book. I met with K through five. And so I tailored each classroom visit to be a little bit different, but I asked every single class of students what they want to be when they grow up just mm-hmm. to kind of gauge, you know, and I mean, it really ranged from like magician to a cowboy to like an arrow, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> astronaut, <laughs> like yeah. it ranged. Um, but I like what you were saying. I think the point of it is having the space for them to dream big and know they can be all of these things, but the inclusion and diversity part from like a systemic level just means that it's going to be open for for them to be able to find that space wherever they choose to go and not us forcing them into like those boxes exactly so I, I like that that's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. also think sometimes it starts at home too yeah because I think some sometimes parents they want you you know they kind of take bits and pieces of their growing mm-hmm. up but they really want you to, um, you know, be the main things, a lawyer, a doctor, engineer, engineer, engineer. person, you know, all that, and yeah. anything that's not like white collar, because most of those jobs, when you think about they're pretty white collar, yeah, um, it's kind of looked down upon, you know. Yeah, and we also, I think I've also touched on this too. I feel like um, I'm just further reiterating, everybody got to play their part. Right. And we need everyone. And we need everybody. And we want them to feel empowered to play their part in the best way that they can. Right. Yeah. I would I I need certain things. Um that barista at Starbucks is mm-hmm. over here giving me through the day, the electricity. You know, I need my trash. Yeah. You know, you know, we all need trap recycling yeah. you know different male people yeah. you know yeah the world like, couldn't function mm-hmm. yeah I got a lot of stuff and I, I was a liberal arts person and so yeah. everyone's like you can't get a job with liberal arts and I was like you read books you watch movies you watch tv <laughs> like liberal arts works in so many different ways and so I used yeah. to get offended by that yeah. have y'all heard of the human library have mm-hmm. you ever heard of that I feel like I have heard of it but please enlighten us <laughs> so <laughs> Um, IEP I brought to campus a few years ago and so basically it's like a book thing I didn't think about that it's like yeah human library so of course I would do it um so you go and you check out a book so you look at the list and all you read is a descriptor but mm-hmm. the book is an actual person and you just go and you sit and you talk with them um and so isn't that so fun? And I love talking to random people. So yeah. I uh, talked to this one woman. I like checked her out, which I think that whole thing, they could probably rework that because that's <laughs> But I um, went and talked with her and she was a Black librarian. Yeah. And she was talking about how rare it is to have Black female librarians. And I, mm-hmm. I would have never even thought about that before. Or yeah. I said, I guess all the librarians growing up were like middle-aged white ladies. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, you don't even think about these like fields. Like you just, you're so used to what you see. You don't even think about yeah. that. There's probably not that many other people doing it. So I always randomly think about her and I'm like, you know what, what other fields have I not thought about that? Yeah. You missed one no part of the librarian. It's the, the reading glasses around the neck with the jewels. <laughs> <laughs> She did have my glasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is one thing you'll find in any library, black, white, anything. They'll have a reading glasses. So true. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. 
there's always something I, and I, I to bring it full circle there's always something that is a shared experience no matter what um race you are right so um that's i don't want to leave this conversation not putting that out on the floor however yeah. i think that it, it is very nuanced when you have people who are in um different socioeconomic situations mm -hmm. people who are of different races um ethnicities as well so it's like one community that i think uh throughout most of the um uh, let's say united states that we forget about are the black latin communities there's mm -hmm. always space for latinx people but we don't think about black black Latinx and their erasure from a lot of those spaces as well. Yeah. So yeah. you know, there's there's so many different, um, I guess, ways to cut the pie um, to really talk about the need that we may have for um, inclusion and yeah. how different uh spaces don't really allow for that so, and that's yeah. kind of a segue to Jaleesa we talked about earlier about her podcast mm -hmm. and it's called let's talk about representation hopefully I got yeah. that and it so is. yeah what what makes what made you or what inspired you um, to create that podcast yeah I think it's just kind of a collection of what we talked about so I am an introvert by like just I'm an introvert so um, for me, like conversations, I would kind of, I find more out of um, engaging like deeper conversations. I can do small chat, but I just like really like to get to like the heart of like stuff and like just know a lot about people. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, it came from that space of just like being curious about other people, but then just also really acknowledging the gaps in so many areas and just different walks of life and different things um so you know that first season I talk a lot just about like the wedding industry and like things that I was noticing and how you know if you google bridal magazines and look yep. at the images it was like all white oh, women on the covers yeah um <laughs> you're like what <laughs> so mm -hmm. um just noticing little things like that or not seeing you know really body inclusive representation in that space or just stuff like that so um, so far on there, I've talked about, you know, being like a, a black bride or being, you know, a plus size bride, um, mm -hmm. an LGBTQ couple. What was that like, you know, going through the space and finding inclusive vendors for you? I've talked to um, speech language therapists because that's also a very white um, dominated profession. But I think black boys make up for a big percent of the clientele that needs speech mm -hmm. therapy. Um, and so, you know, what's that like when they're not seeing a therapist who they can't relate to from that cultural mm -hmm. standpoint? Um, I'm doing another one soon that I'm really excited about with Black women in radio, I used to work in radio. So like, what's that like, you know, in that space? Um, so it was really just kind of this curiosity about people's lives, which is, you know, acknowledging the gaps. And I'm always asking, how can we kind of bridge that and bring it together? So, um, you know, like, I was just going to say my 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 introduction to your podcast was the LGBT one. But they were such a fun couple. Oh my gosh. In uh, India. Yeah. I had never. And then when I looked them up on Facebook, I found that we have a lot of connections and that's like my husband's uh, sorority sister too. And he yeah. knew her and I was like, what? And so 
just like their openness and their um transparency and then also yeah. how fun they are oh my gosh like, so fun mm-hmm. I was like, and oh. even like them talking it was like so enlightening too they're talking about the lgbt plus community but they were saying you know there's like the white lgbt mm-hmm. plus community there's like the black lgbt so yeah. they said when you think about lgbtq you think like white people but there's like this whole like they felt like it was so enlightening for me so mm-hmm. that was that was such a good one I've enjoyed all the conversations that I've had though on that um, podcast and so I'm excited to kind of get that rev back up and just talk all things that people don't want to talk about like I really want to do one on um just moms you know and like I feel like moms just get you can't win if you're a stay-at-home mom if you're a working mom if you breastfed if you form a little bit like yeah it just feels like it's a struggle. And so I just like to learn so I can be better and be a better friend to people and more compassionate. Um, and my hope with that podcast was that it opened up other people's eyes to things. I think I talked on one about Pinterest and having to do like, um, I, I looked up engagement photos, black couple. Cause if I just did engagement photos, it was like white couples or like yeah. messy bun. It's like, white messy yeah. Yeah. so having to put the black girl or black woman behind it to find it and some people dm look I would have never even thought that you had to do that because when I go on there I find I look for on the first search yeah, yeah. I just like do all these extra like diggings <laughs> there's there's actually a Pinterest that's for black people it's like melanin oh, yeah. or something like that I didn't cool. know about that. I just learned about that one so it yeah. came from that need of not being able to find what they were looking for on Pinterest so yeah. that's cool yeah. <laughs> yeah that's really cool I'll have to definitely look into that because I love Pinterest but I, I do too that <laughs> one that's like um the nice thing is right now I'm looking at goddess braids so most of the time <laughs> that's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be black girls there's some stuff you look for and like you know good and well I just type in here yeah. <laughs> in these yeah. images do not yeah. I looked up my marley twist and I'm yep. like, um. <laughs> yeah and then there'll be a few sprinkles and it'll be like all right I'm gonna just keep scrolling <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's awesome and I, I just I'm just so inspired by everything because I'm I talk about representation all the time, but I love that you are actually actively um, pursuing that, rep- like showing representation and the ab- the advantages that it has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm not doing a good job though. I need to get men on there because I've only had female uh, guests so far, and so I'm trying because I'm not being inclusive or representative of cases. <laughs> so. I need to do a better job getting some guys on there. Um, it's like baby steps, you know. It is. It is because it sometimes, I mean, I love you. you don't talk to that many guys, you know. I'm yeah. Like, nobody. <laughs> and also, too, like, I'm going to say this, and I, I'm sorry, Nicholas, I love you, but it was also kind of like hard, you know, getting him on there because I think sometimes they talk all the time to their out there to the world or, or depending mm. on what they do for their profession or. Yeah. They, to their guy friends but not necessarily you know and they'll have a conversation with you not recorded you know right. but when it's recorded they're like eh, yeah no unless they, they are in that space where they do that profession you know they're more yeah. of a speaker or they're someone that goes to you know talks to kids and different things like that but I think sometimes it's hard it's hard to find at least it's for, for me I relate to you it's kind of hard to find men that will that want to talk yeah 
have that's true and I'm thinking about all the podcasts that I listen to most of them are hosted by women I think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's one that it's a male female I shouldn't assume their pronouns but it's a duo um Mm -hmm. but that yeah I think we're just more open it and I just I talk to anybody so Mm -hmm. I don't care about two of them let's talk about it yeah um so I am trying to do better to find some spaces to um, include some guys on there just to before anyone calls me out for being, you know, <laughs> reverse sexist. So. <laughs> because I was just having this conversation about uh, feminism mm-hmm. and how, uh, you know, it's very different um, for white women versus mm-hmm. black women. And even within the black women's space, there there's a divide too. Uh, yeah. Feminism being, you know, the highest, uh, femininity being your hair sh- always done and you keep your nails trim and proper and that yeah. conservative type of feminism and then there's the the black feminists who are like my hair grows naturally out my head this way yeah. my body I'm not going I'm going to eat for pleasure and nutrients not just to look a certain way right yeah so it's it's a very yeah. um it's people yes nuance that's my favorite word <laughs> my, it's my new favorite word and that <laughs> contributes I think to what we were talking about earlier of not filling that black enough mm-hmm. space um I listened to my mother's day sermon from church today mm-hmm. I'm like a week behind but or yeah like two weeks but I don't know but I didn't listen to <laughs> mother's day so I played it today and she hit on that actually in the sermon and she talked about you know women have it hard enough and black women are even harder on each other. And so she talked about Kamala Harris Mm -hmm. um, when she got, you know, elected as vice president and how a lot of the comments were talking about her hair and what she was wearing and having a white husband, like all these things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, she just reached a level of accomplishment for women and women of color. And you're concerned about her hair. And I remember when Gabby Douglas got like torn apart for her hair years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, have any of you ever played a sport? <laughs> or like, she's got gold medals, but you're concerned about her bun. And I just remember being so turned off mm-hmm. by that. And it was by other Black women. I'm like, we have to do better at just not tearing each other apart. And that's not everybody, but there is such a divide in that. And so I do, like, if my edges aren't late, I'm like, oh, I might get talked about because, you know, they aren't ready today. <laughs> And it shouldn't be like that. And and I think as we acknowledge, like it shouldn't be like I I'm not. Amber always tries to act like I'm throwing shade. So this is no shade. No shade. No shade. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think generational differences too, right? So Mm. when we look at like the um, Gen X, which is my mom's generation, you know, she has. Uh, oh, you want to wear your hair like that? Why don't you like lay the edges a certain way? (laughs) Or, you know, I just got this new straightener. Why don't we just try that? Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And then when we get to the millennial, who's kind of like a a mosh of some who are like, oh, you always have to keep your hair this way. And then some who are like, look, this is how I woke up this morning. (laughs) This is how we get in there. And then my generation, and it's like, no people care and there's a divide but then you also see so many um I think of uh people who are just accepting for how it is right like with my friends 
it's not like we're all oh you can't sit with us if your hair isn't straightened you know (laughs) (laughs) it's not that type of situation so I think that there's progression happening and I'm very excited yeah Um, and uh, not to get too far off topic but Mm -hmm. thinking about progression these student loans I'm really praying Progression and the Gen Xers all being like, they ain't gonna, they ain't gonna forgive student debt. And I was like, look, we are, we're working towards it. We're working towards it. So, anyways, I'm just, I'm just really excited about that one. <laughs> progress, right? We're talking about progress here. Anyways, I mean, it, it sometimes even goes back to the conversation. Like, I can remember, um, like our black family members just mm-hmm. talking about how Obama wasn't even gonna they're like this they ain't gonna let this black man you know mm-hmm. and I think a lot of probably it saddens me because I remember having a whole like my dad our dad is very um cynical sure that <laughs> might be better yes yeah. and so yeah. like he thinks that you know like he never his delivery sometimes comes out as like there's no hope because so used to like the status quo Mm -hmm. and it kind of and me it's making me think now like it's sad and kind of coming back to your book Julissa like why don't we see ourselves in those spaces like why do we tear down you know and also thinking about Obama he didn't come from a traditional family he wasn't a Bush he wasn't you know Clinton no that type of family you know obviously those are you know Caucasian uh, families but there are black families that are very similar, you know, that we just yeah. don't know about, you know, yeah. they're not shown, but yeah. like you come from a whole bunch of money. He came from a single mom that was actually white, you know, like, yeah. you know, there's yeah. like so many dynamics to it that you could, that I feel like not all yeah. black people, but some black people could relate to, Yeah, but mm-hmm. we just don't even allow him to be able to be, you know, I think yeah. we voted for him and we made sure that he was in there because the black vote matters, but, and also all the other votes matter too, because we don't make up predominantly the U.S. country, but like, I, I think it's so sad that we don't see ourselves in those spaces. And then when we do see someone that has gotten to that level, we just, you know, annihilate them. I agree. Yeah, it's hard. So I think that's the importance of having conversations like this. And it is important to highlight the things that you know, we do. Um, mm-hmm. So you got me like thinking, I'm like, maybe I should like talk more about this. The girl that braids my hair, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. really funny, actually. I've only been on her twice. And so the first time I went to her, so I said, I don't talk about mm-hmm. my book like that. Cause I just, we were talking about like other stuff, but she had a daughter. So I want to talk about it, but I'm like, I don't want to I'm like being salesy yeah, <laughs> yeah. for her to go and buy it. Um, so I got home and like, I posted, you know, she did a great job with my hair. And then she said something she was I was talking to my friend and she was just talking about your book and so her friend ended up being one of the teachers at oh. the school that I went to oh. and they were talking and her friends were talking about this like black author coming in and I'm so excited because you don't like hear about black authors yeah. blah, blah, blah. and the girl was like oh like let me see she was I just braided her hair like, <laughs> And so I saw her again yesterday. She goes, why didn't you tell me about you? Like, but it was so funny. So other people see the importance of what you do. And we don't even see that in ourselves sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, 
And I think if there wasn't an Obama, there wouldn't have been a Kamala Harris. I 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. And I so, think the other part of that um, is what's wild to me is the the criticism that Kamala gets from should I say Vice President Harris gets from the black community for not being like anarchy like, <laughs> I just, like I just, first of all we all I, well maybe not we all knew but maybe I just kind of did my research and knew she wasn't going to be down with the revolution first of all <laughs> second of all the the biggest thing is we make steps politics are slow Mm -hmm. um people are slow to change Mm -hmm. and uh, I mean I don't want to go far down this rabbit hole I just want to touch skim the surface that we are definitely making steps Mm -hmm. I could go and be an activist and be out on the streets and you know protest and stuff like that but I think my daily protest is going to work with people who do not look like me is continuing to go and educate myself so that I can be in spaces that people like me do not exist Mm -hmm. and then you keep going and paving the way and maybe that's just my upbringing and the privileges that I've had to be able to sit in these rooms but Mm -hmm. I think it, uh, the biggest thing is if you're given a privilege in something, if you're given a gift, if you're given grace, you should go and use that to its fullest extent and not sit on it. And that's progression. I yeah. agree. I, I've told people, you know, whether black or white, if you're really wanting to make active changes, do it in the spaces that you can. So if it is in your organization, you know, what's missing, who's at the table, who's not, what are the policies like that are keeping people out? Like it's baby steps, but you can all make a change in those small institutions that we currently work in. So I'm on all the committees now and I'm like, <laughs> sign me up for all the things. So I will call out what's wrong with it. Um, but that's how you make changes. So I agree with you. It doesn't have to be always on the streets. And that's great if that's your calling, but that's not everybody's activism. The the computer company, the software company, Mm -hmm. should I say, just now released that they're um, hiring people without certain degrees that you would Mm. have to um, do the jobs. Because, I mean, software now is so available to people. There's lots of people who, uh, you know, may not have a bachelor's or a PhD or a master's. Mm-hmm. and computer scientists and mm-hmm. sci- computer sciences but are fully inept to do are fully capable sorry to do the jobs that they're requiring now yeah a little afraid of that because you know there's this concept of um well if they're not requiring degrees for anything why do I have all these student loans <laughs> <laughs> or you know things of that sort now for my my job and everything I don't there's certain, um, as a lab tech, a clinical lab tech, you have to have a bachelor's degree um, because that's just- The training behind it. The training behind it, but also the um, certification for us to even have a Mm -hmm. clinical um, capabilities at the lab um, called CAP for anyone who's curious about it. But um, yeah, that's just all Mm -hmm. I had to say about 
how progress is being made and um, yeah. the generation gets us not to have student loans I still have about 20 grand left so <laughs> well, I wouldn't mind wiping those off President know. Biden says that he is going to maybe forgive 10,000 of it um, that's what I heard yeah yeah and I th- I'm hoping it's by the fall because that's when um you know uh, student loans have to start being paid on again because they're in deferment for everyone. Oh, okay. I uh, thought you were talking about specifically you. I'm like, that's selfish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just saying because the budgetista Tiffany Amariche, no, uh, Ariche, how do you say I, that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Aliche. There we go. Aliche. <laughs> <laughs> I always put too many syllables. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, the budgetista is just talking about that because she's my new. Um, personal finance advisor. Okay, <laughs> just okay. kidding. I'm myself. <laughs> I just use her advice to go. But, but yeah. Anyways, so so yeah. how um, Julie said. Also know that. Well, we know because Taylor talked about earlier about working out. So mm-hmm. how and we also talked about Gabby too. Like so in oh, this yeah. case, as far as like wellness and like physical wellness, do you see representation in those spaces? But then also too like we all we know that you're a Zubin teacher and so like what also got you into that space yeah so for Zumba I took it as an elective in college actually um so it was just one credit hour I did it for two semesters and I just loved it I danced growing up so I did like uh, ballet tap and jazz and then I did palms in middle school and then I cheered in high school so I've always done like performancey type things mm-hmm. um so it just felt I cheered in college for a year too but it was just fun to like dance again so I really liked the Zumba space um and decided to get certified in that a few years later the certification for that's not super difficult and so you do see a lot of representation when it comes to Zumba instructors just across the world um it's a very diverse space from the health space, I think in certain areas you do. And I was talking to someone recently about Lifetime, actually, where we work out at, um, and how there's only like that. I've seen one Black fitness instructor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't even seen her in a while, actually, but it's mostly white instructors. I don't know if that's just like kind of Lifetime's culture or what. Um, so you definitely see black people working out at lifetime, like it's a diverse gym, but when it comes to the people leading the classes and all that, I don't see that much in there, but they have great instructors. So that's not knocking anyone that's an instructor at lifetime. Um, I worked in a yoga studio for a while and that's an interesting space. I wasn't a teacher. I just worked at the front desk. Um, and so I've been trying to like on Instagram follow accounts that just kind of make me think more and they're just a little bit more inclusive in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, with all that's going on in India, right, you know, right now, um, there's a lot of talk about the appropriation of the yoga mm-hmm. um, practice and how it's just been really whitewashed and westernized. And so I do see that quite a bit. And so there's a lot of white owned yoga studios and so I've definitely like been one if not one of like a few black people in classes yeah before so it's interesting because I like to work out and I think a lot of black people like to work out but there's this 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 notion that black women don't work out Mm -hmm. because I'm like we do because of our hair (laughs) 
but I mean that is like a barrier sometimes and it is a factor because I've definitely skipped a workout because of my hair before <laughs> um but we do work out but I feel like I've been in so many classes where I've been one of the only mm-hmm. black women or like one of two so I feel like even in spin class Taylor like you feel like I mean it depends yeah. on the day I was gonna ready to say the biggest thing for me is like when I worked in the health space and I was a personal trainer um like counselors what the official title was but I do know that in the health spaces there's just not a lot of black people as leaders and um or or instructors one because most of the gyms are not paying that much Mm -hmm. that's like the biggest barrier for us I think and I know personally a lot of the um trainers or instructors they have jobs outside Mm -hmm. of the gym as well some of them have full-time jobs some of them have like five part-time jobs and that works for them right and it's something that they're super passionate about for me it it's I just want to work out and yes I do want to instruct at some point yeah Um, but the the money is what it comes down to also uh to actually answer your question about how many black people are in the class I am often (laughs) the only black person in the class and then it becomes uh, I'm very competitive in the space of health and Mm -hmm. so then I'm like let me see what this black woman doing (laughs) and then I see her and then I'm like okay I can do what I'm doing like or oh I I need to do this or this is what her body looks like and then for me it also becomes a little bit um like this is very personal this is just how I see it I don't fit into a a lot of the stereotypical black body types the voluptuous Mm. body type and so when I see other black Mm -hmm. women with the big old booty and a flat tummy and she's Mm -hmm. over here at the gym but then I'm like okay but I'm over here like I'm a performance athlete but she look cute but I can do this (laughs) and it's it's like one of those types of situations not that I'm like insecure about those things, but those are just things that I notice. Or yeah. I see just the, the stereotypical thin black girl who's there as well. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay, like, you know, it's nice to have that different, um, that different perspective, but also it's like, now it's, it's not really representative of everyone who exists in the diaspora, which I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's impossible in Indianapolis <laughs> to have yeah. everyone within the diaspora working out in the spin class that I go to because spin class is not traditionally a black space. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's just health in general is, is very divisive. There a lot of people don't necessarily go to Lifetime. They go to Planet Fitness. They go mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Um, LA Fitness. Mm-hmm. They go to home gyms. Like there's certain um, groups that work out together and have like garage gyms are kind of what they're called. And um, that's that's neat. Um, but I personally don't feel that in the classes we're, we're really representative of all the different types of Black girls who work out I agree yeah you know Taylor had me in the front row it's been class last Thursday I said why are we in the front 
always in the front row because I only so like I said I get distracted by looking at others and I sit in the front first of all the teacher's gonna yell at me and she's gonna use me as an example which I like that accountability and Mm -hmm. then also all I do is stare at myself the whole time (laughs) Um, because otherwise if I'm in the back row or in another row with somebody in front of me I'm looking at them and like gauging my level of effort off of them yeah (laughs) I get it (laughs) I am very competitive like it's ridiculous how competitive I am so in the front I'm just competing against myself baby it's me (laughs) you better than you are yesterday (laughs) you're here to get uncomfortable (laughs) these are things that that the spin instructors say I I also want to touch on spin a little bit since we're talking about it Mm -hmm. because um you have a peloton yeah I don't oh yeah I also kind of don't like talking about that too because I feel like you know when you talk about yes it's a privilege (laughs) thing and in so many spaces not even just black people you know white people too or you know just all people of color not to like break the groups up but then like the only reason why I brought them up is because um I went on there well one I was looking at their instructors Mm -hmm. and really if it wasn't for my mother having a Peloton bike when Peloton wasn't really even like no one cared about it she went ahead and purchased it like this probably was five to ten years ago yeah it was a long time ago eight years yeah Yeah, it was very long time ago um but the instructors are more diverse on there and then also too like I got on their Instagram page if you guys have ever been there I think it's at one Peloton I think that's what it's called I could have it wrong I'll put the correct one in the show notes but it was interesting seeing a whole bunch of different types of people uh tagging themselves in mm. you know, pictures and I was yeah. like oh there's black people that do spin you yeah. know there's yeah. black people that do have a Peloton bike yeah. you know like I shouldn't be ashamed to shout that out or feel like I should hide it in my basement and not tell anybody because yeah you know people will think of me in in particular way I mean as long as it makes you happy and like spin has became part of my identity Mm -hmm. at this point like I I look forward to it Mm -hmm. and it's something that I'm dedicated to I will skip a dinner a date uh helping my (laughs) grandma (laughs) to go do it unless it's important but anyway um I think as black people we always try to humble ourselves because Mm -hmm. I think that we feel that we are not deserving of the energy Mm -hmm. that may uh, come along with it like if I'm being brutally honest I think that's kind of what it is and that's just not true I think as we get more representation as just as soon as um I don't want to use a random name because I, you know, I, you know, I'm ridiculous. Uh, So I'm a filter myself. Just as soon as your neighbor next door who may not be black (laughs) will show off their, their bike, not you specifically, I'm just saying um, anybody, you know, they will show off their Peloton real quick and have no doubts about it, have no regrets about it because Mm -hmm 
they got their Peloton and they pay in their whatever a month and doing X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z with it. And that's their God-given right to do it. Just like it's your God-given right to do it if that's what you feel comfortable doing it. Just like you acknowledging you're an author and you did that. You wrote a book. Like you guys deserve to say that you are great and affirming that in yourself translates into like generations and Mm -hmm. the next little girl who says I want a Peloton or I want want a flying car (laughs) there you go yeah I agree I think that's so good and we do deserve that because we do work hard for the things that we accomplish and so so you should brag on that and I can tell other people that all day but it's me doing it for myself (laughs) so Mm -hmm. um that's a practice that I'm trying to do better about so I agree well that's awesome well we really do appreciate you coming and spending with us and so where can the listeners so first of all where can the listeners find your book the book's on Amazon. Um, so the title again is When I Grow Up, I Can Be Anything. So you can search by the title or by my name. Um, there's not many releases on Amazon. So <laughs> that's that my name spelled. So that's on Amazon. Um, you can buy it via paperback or ebook. Uh-huh. Um, it's the only place that it's available right now. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Can they yeah. find your um, podcast? The podcast, I always promote it on Spotify. It's the easiest way for people to find it. Um, but it is on Spotify. Let's talk about representation. Again, not many Julie's on Spotify <laughs> spelled the way my name spelled. So that usually just brings it right on up. So I think I have like 10 episodes so far on there, maybe. Awesome. But yeah, it's on Spotify. Awesome. Um, and where can we find you hitting the gym and instructing Zumba? I'm not teaching Zumba right now. So I gave up my last class actually a couple of weeks ago um, to focus a little bit more on like writing and stuff actually. But I do go to Lifetime Fitness. I have guest passes. So does Taylor if she wants to offer hers up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, I do Zumba every Wednesday there with my friend Jenny. And I do sometimes teach a song or two in her class. Um, And then spins become a big thing for me now so I do spin almost every Monday and then Taylor's like getting me into Thursday spin too um so I'm I'm there I'm gonna get you I got a trainer now though so Saturdays are for my trainer so I'm not gonna kill myself on a Saturday (laughs) but I totally would I miss we missed her dance thing on Friday Jenny's dance thing yeah um but that's a whole other topic (laughs) yeah but yeah I got a lifetime fitness Awesome. awesome. Do you think one last question before we leave? Yeah. Do you think you would ever become a spin uh, instructor based off of I how much you thought enjoy? about that? I don't know. The thing about being an instructor is it is a commitment. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was part of my Zoom loving is I just feel like I had so much going on that like mm-hmm. having another thing like the thing, you know, you can work out when you want to. You, go where you don't go but you have to show up to be an instructor and you have to show up and be on for everybody else and so um that's the only if I didn't maybe work full-time I would probably do more so I feel like a lot of people that's like they're they are fitness people so they teach at like multiple gyms yeah and like bop around like that's their life but I feel like for me I'm like I just don't want to (laughs) go today um but I've thought about it I enjoy spin classes mostly because of the music I think too I think it just like really motivates you to go even more especially in amp cycle um 
like that Beyonce mix she closes out with every week. I love that. I can't find out anything actually. Um, uh, I'll send it to you because I have it. <laughs> I literally I tried to find it on Spotify after class last week and I couldn't find it. Um, I've thought about dabbling in different areas, but there's so many certifications like CPR and your APA and like all these things. Um, and it's not cheap to get some of that stuff either, actually. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm just always like you guys said, I do a lot of stuff. I just bop around and try things. And then if I don't like it, I'll try something else. So, that. Know, maybe. Well, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, thanks for coming on. Oh, where oh. can we find you on social media? Oh, yeah. I'm mostly on Instagram. Um, it's Jaleesa, J-A-L-Y-S-A underscore Delyn, D-E-L-Y-N. Um, also, my Twitter handle is the same thing. I think that's it. I do have a Facebook, but I'm not like super, super active over there for like this kind of stuff. So my Instagram is probably where I engage the most. Okay. Um, but yeah. Well, awesome. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. That was thanks fun. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. <laughs> <Taylor comes laughs> it was fun. Crushing all over. <laughs> oh, it was fun. It was fun talking. We could talk for hours. Me and Amber have talked for hours. Yeah. <laughs> so we could talk all day. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. See ya. Bye. Well, that was awesome. Yeah, it was very awesome. I I know that I've always enjoyed Jaleesa. So it is always nice in her presence. Um, Always lots of good conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But um, here we are. We made it to the end. Also, for anyone who's wondering what um, Beyonce mix that um, she was referencing, she was talking about the Diva Homecoming Live performance. Mm. And it has like Diva mixed with Brush Your Shoulders Off with uh, I Begin to the Money. Everybody, hey. <laughs> And that's literally how I am at spin class. Players <laughs> up there with their hands yeah, in the air. I literally be hey. brushing my shoulders off, yelling, hey, the music's so loud, you can't hear me screaming. So it's great. Um, anyways, so. Um, What's our self-care tip self-care for the week? Self-care tip for the week. Okay, so <laughs> at the end, I was talking about affirming that you deserve what you have. And um yesterday I just found myself in a space of wanting to affirm myself that I can do it and Mm -hmm. I am awesome and Mm -hmm. I'm doing great sweetie keep your head up keep your head in the game Mm -hmm. um what's next you know um and uh you don't have to be as woo -woo as me but I actually did like 10-15 minutes of chance um (laughs) and just talking to myself and Um, reaffirming myself so the self-care tip of the week in the roundabout way is just find an affirmation and say it out loud until you believe it at first it's kind of weird kind of uncomfortable and that's that's why you are doing it because you need to be comfortable with acknowledging your power and acknowledging what you are capable of and what you deserve um so like I said, at first it feels uncomfortable. Um, once you believe that affirmation, you're going to have a doubt or a voice in your head that comes up and then you go and affirm the positive 
affirmation. So if you're thinking, but can you do anything? Yes, I can do anything. Yes, I can do anything. Mm-hmm. And just calm yourself. It's kind of one of those, um, I, it's kind of one of those soothing mm-hmm. um, techniques. Like when the mom is shushing the baby, that's mm-hmm. kind of what I think of it as is like, tell yourself that you can do it and that Mm -hmm. you are capable of doing it. Or like, if you're not feeling pretty, tell yourself that you're feeling pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything that you know that is negative self-talk, you need to go and nip that in the butt and reaffirm that you are everything great. And I believe that in you. And um, most importantly, believe it in yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's that. that. Yeah, find your affirmation, um, sit with yourself, um, figure out what it is that you need to, um, you know, meditate on or affirm in you so that you can elevate. I like that. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yes. So tell me what is our grind tip for the week? So I'm going to take it from our conversation that we just had, um, that we literally just talked about when it comes to these spaces that you've been privileged in to really um, allow yourself to be big in those Mm -hmm. spaces. Don't, you know, and I think everybody's personality is different. Um, But we talked about like, uh, we didn't call it this, but like in the conversation, we talked about imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. kind of, or the humility of making sure that we're not being outward with the things that we have, not because we don't like we don't appreciate them, but more because we don't want to be represented in a certain way. I think it's important this week and, and to really sit back and think about what spaces are you currently in that you would consider to be privileged? Is that at work? Is that at your fitness class? Is that on you know a community project that you're working on? Is that even in your family? Um, you know, just think about some some of the things that you've been granted and given the opportunity to have and then figure out how can I make a change in those spaces? You know, what little thing can I do? Is that based off of like, you know, how people perceive me? Is it maybe if you're having a conversation and, you know, a person is thinking about something so much differently than you would, are you comfortable with engaging and maybe having a conversation where you're able to enlighten someone about their thoughts and maybe provide a different perspective. Um, If you're thinking about it from a person of color or a woman, then you can probably think about it as, you know, what, what am I doing in my space that, you know, would allow someone that maybe is looking at me to um, allow them to be able to see other people that are younger than me. Like, so for an example, if I think about work, um, if, if someone, if I'm one of the only black people and woman on the team, it is my, pre, pre, the way that I'm presenting myself in that space is it allowing for people that have power to hire and manage, allow them to be able to look at, um, you know, another person of color and say, you know, let's give them a chance. Uh, yeah. And maybe they wouldn't necessarily do that before. Yeah. Um, or advocate like, hey, I'm the only black person here or the only Latina person or the only woman, mm-hmm. you know, we need to get more people in here and make it more of a um, 
your intention in those spaces that you have privilege in to get more people that um, should be in there with different perspectives. Because we talked about earlier, Black people are not all a monolith. A a monolith. Yeah. Um, You know, every woman that was on the episode today, we grew up in the suburbs. Yeah. You know, we've never had, I'll speak for Taylor and I, we've never gone, you know, without anything uh, with with two parents or with one. Yeah. So that's the sense of privilege, not only for, you know, our race, but really when you think of a lot of kids in America, you know, no matter what their background is. Yeah. So that's one thing I will leave with you guys. Well, thank you for sharing. Yep. So that's all we got. So Taylor, where can you find us? You can find us at theinnercircle.podgals at gmail.com if you want to send us a listener letter. Um, you can also find us on Instagram at theinnercircle.podgals. <laughs> <laughs> the mm-hmm. um, so that's where you'll find us. You'll hear about all our new episode alerts. Mm-hmm. Um, you should go ahead and like this podcast and turn on your notifications on whichever platform you're using, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can do yeah, that. Google. And Google Podcasts, you can do that. So um, just figure it out. (laughs) I can't direct you how to do it, but I know it's possible. (laughs) I I have it for our podcast and for other podcasts on, is what I'm trying to say. It's all a little bit different. Okay. Like and follow. Yep. And subscribe. And subscribe. And rate. And rate. And everything. And share <laughs> all of it. Do all of it. Just do everything. Just just know there's something to do. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, y'all. And we'll see you back here next week. <laughs>